so we quit our jobs and then it was like, okay, now what? Cause there's not an organization that's handing us work to do. And, uh, you know, we just kind of had to figure it out. And so you, you're, you're just forced instantly to sort of, sort of totally think differently and, and really kind of put myself actually probably in the shoes of, of my bosses at the big company that were trying to, you know, motivate or inspire me, you know, the same things that we were doing with our employees and the same, you know, communicate a vision, have a vision and execute all those things that I just, just didn't have any context for. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it's creating value. And I love the concept of, of uh, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And I think that's pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And this, I was pushed way outside of my comfort zone on this and, and learned a ton quickly. But again, it really comes back to the the, the mindset of, of being a value creator versus someone who's uh, wanting to just kind of blend in. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for listening. I sure have a good time making these shows, and without you all subscribing, I wouldn't have a job anymore. Today on the show, we've got Trevor Tate, the Managing Director of Tate & Associates, an engineering and real estate development firm working on public infrastructure across the United States. And Trevor's got a great story about how he learned to add value and how he figured that out by kind of failing at his first job. Trevor's going to talk about how that kind of changed who he is and how his focus is creating value in everything he does, which has brought to him empathy and EQ. He's got an intention of creating value through creativity. He loves being comfortable, being uncomfortable, and we're going to get into his spirit of gratitude. If you want to find out about Tate and Associates, go to Tate.com. We're going to get started. Thank you for joining and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Trevor Tate, it has been a while since we hung out. Thank you so much for taking time from turning landfills into energy efficient cities and turning golf courses into energy efficient cities and using your engineering firm to make sure that buildings stand a little longer and people a little safer. It is great to have you on the edge of excellence today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm, I'm honored and uh, uh, looking forward to this. So thanks, Matt. Well, we appreciate it. And I like to start off the way I always start off. Trevor Tate, what is your definition of excellence? So I guess I was thinking about this a lot. So my, my definition of excellence is striving towards your potential. So I think that uh, if you're in a position where you've got strengths, uh, talents, uh, things that uh, you're naturally drawn to, and if, if you're in a position where you're striving your, towards your potential, you just kind of know it. And uh, so I think that's my definition of excellence, striving towards your potential. So you kind of know it. 
How did you, and I know you went to Vanderbilt, so you probably did really well in high school and just to be at Vanderbilt's difficult. So you probably were a great student, but then all of a sudden, in your case, you get thrown into a family business and I'm sure there's a lot of pressure in a family business and they're wondering, you know, maybe you're just the owner's son or why is this guy here? So how did you figure out what your strengths and talents were when you were in your twenties? Well, so, okay. So after I, after I graduated college, I went to Vanderbilt and uh, I studied civil engineering and I was always kind of, I guess, drawn towards math and science in high school and uh, excelled in that in college. But after college, I, I, I took a job at a, at a large uh, uh, sort of construction uh, corporation. And I think that for me, it was a great job. It was a great opportunity, but I think I kind of, um, probably didn't quite have the right, uh, perspective or, or mindset in that position. And so, um, like I almost didn't even quite know where I belonged in that big organization and, um, really, uh, wanted to kind of blend in, I think actually, if anything, and, uh, not make waves or, or not, uh, kind of tap into probably the reason they hired me, which was, which was really to create value for the organization. So I was there and, and I kind of, as a result, I think of that mindset, I was, uh, I actually kind of felt, felt lost, you know, felt lost within the organization, felt lost on um, what it is that we even did. And um, I also, at that time, uh, I, was, I was there for about a year and pro- really wasn't a great employee. And I, I actually kind of, you know, look back and have some regrets about kind of squandering that opportunity. But I, I uh, actually had an epiphany where I, I, I wanted to uh, start my own business. And it was kind of totally separate from the construction world, but it was, uh, it was nonetheless going to start my, start my own business. It was about uh, connecting college grads in new cities, and it was going to be this big tech startup. And so I, I quit my job and became an entrepreneur. And for me personally, that experience, I did that for about three years. And, and it was actually, it was ultimately a failure in terms of the business. But that experience of, of being an entrepreneur and seeing what it takes to, uh, to run an organization and, and to grow and, and create value in all different ways, it was, it was just kind of a, a super valuable experience for me. And so kind of tapping into, you know, in, into my potential, I think I needed that experience personally where I could, you know, I think if I had that mindset going into that organization out of, out of college, I would have uh, thought totally differently about how I can help my team and how I can, uh, um, you know, use my strengths and skills to, uh, to benefit the mission of the organization, the growth goals of the organization, all these other things that so many others were doing. But instead, I think I was kind of in the mindset of, of, of blending in and uh, uh, not, not really focused on, creating value, I guess. So do you think, and I love, I love, I love discovery through failure and so many people, that's how they figure things out. So you're, you're young, right? You just got out of college. You're having this great time in Nashville, listening to that horrible country music, which I hope you hate as much as I do. And, uh, you, you get this job and you think, you know, what you're supposed to have in the job, but you were wrong. And then you go do another job, which is a company that you started. And did you, realize that where you missed was the value um, equation you missed because you were blending in. Did you realize that after the entrepreneurship experience or did you realize right as you left the other job? I realized it during the entrepreneur experience, I'd say, because so, you know, I had this idea 
And, you know, it's like, okay, so we've got an idea and we're, okay, we're going to, I did it with, uh, with one of my best friends. Uh, and, uh, so we quit our jobs and then it was like, okay, now what? Cause there's not an organization that's handing us work to do. And, uh, you know, we just kind of had to figure it out. And so you, you're, you're just forced instantly to sort of, sort of totally think differently and, and really kind of put myself actually probably in the shoes of, of my bosses at the big company that were trying to, you know, motivate or inspire me, you know, the same things that we were doing with our employees and the same, you know, communicate a vision, have a vision and execute all those things that I just, just didn't have any context for. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it's creating value. And I think that I love the concept of, of uh, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And I think that's pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And this pushed my, this, I was pushed way outside of my comfort zone on this and, uh, and, and learned a ton quickly. Um, but again, it really comes back to the, the, the mindset of, of being a value creator versus someone who's uh, uh, wanting to just kind of blend in. Yeah. So you, you, you sometimes have to have that pain point. You go in there and you, I, I remember mine was on the soccer field. The first time I remember as a kid and I'm trying out for the soccer team. And my friend Shane Croth is trying out for the same soccer team. <laughs> and I was way better at soccer than Shane was. But we're in that little circle and the coaches are watching and people are kicking the ball back and forth. And every right. time someone would kick the ball, not right at my feet, I let it go by. So the coach would see, yeah, they didn't kick it right to me. And I didn't get on the team. And I remember and I don't know how old I was. I was a little kid. Yep. I remember I did it wrong. I should have showed them that I can get any ball that's kicked at me and not try to point at others to make them lesser. So I would rise up and it was such a valuable lesson. Go get the ball wherever it goes. Right. And I didn't make the team and my soccer career was over. Go get the ball. So later on in life, people are throwing balls when they're 50 yards off. I'm going to run as far as I can. Maybe I don't catch it, but everybody sees I'm trying. So it was failure that gave me that lesson. And I bet you, interesting. I mean, I know you pretty well. You talk about the value you bring to communities. You talk about the value you bring to the environment. You get all excited when you talk about building cities out of wasteland. It's just amazing to hear you talk because your whole mindset in everything I've known that you do is about creating value. And had you not been stung by trying to blend in, maybe you would have never figured that out and you'd be some mediocre person sitting in whatever that company was in some middle management instead of changing the world. <laughs> well, and so I, I think that I think about this a lot. So we, when I was at that point, so coming out of college, um, I, I would love to kind of listen to my, some of my interviews that I had and, and a lot of jobs I didn't get um, interviewing. And I, and we, so at our company, we, uh, we hire a, a lot of engineers all over the country. Uh, a lot of them are entry level coming out of college. And I think back to my, my interviews and we, you know, I can kind of, so I've always kind of put myself in, in their shoes. And I remember uh, being asked, okay, so, you know, why do you want to work at this company? And I, I remember saying, you know, I, I really want to learn and I want to, uh, I want to grow personally and, uh, you know, and then I, and then kind of figure it out later what I'm going to do next. And it, it's like, and I think about that and the learning part is, is fantastic. And it's, and it's also obvious you're going to learn a ton in, in, but, but I also think about, you know, they're not hiring you uh, just to learn. They're, they're hiring you to, to, because they, you know, ultimately uh, 
they believe that your skills and, and expertise will lead to, you know, one, uh, hopefully a return on their investment. Uh, and two, that you're going to, you're going to have ideas and you're going to have a perspective that's going to, that's going to improve uh, uh, the chances of success for, for the organization. And so I, I always think about that. And so I, and I, again, I, I, you know, I'm learning always, and I know you are too, and we're learning right now. I'm learning right now. This is my first time on a podcast, oh, <laughs> but, congratulations! Uh, you know, but, and for me too. So, you know, I, I had a, um, you know, a, a great childhood and a great family life. And I, I feel I'm very, I feel very blessed that, that that was, that was the case. Um, but, you know, throughout school, it was, it was, I excelled in that environment because, Hey, if you do this, you get this, you know, it's like, it's very cut and dry. And you're not, you know, you're not necessarily forced, um, forced outside of your comfort zone, you know, or you can be in all different ways, but at the end of the day is if you get, if you, if you do all, you know, if you, if you study, you get good grades, you get good grades, you get into good college, uh, graduate from a good college with good grades, you get a good job, that type of thing. And then, and then when you, when you get into the real world, uh, people are hiring you, not just to kind of learn, they're hiring you to, because they, they want you to, you to help them. Um, and so, you know, at our, in, uh, at our company, we talk, uh, we talk a lot about, um, uh, recruiting and, and hiring and the types of people we're looking for. And, um, the number one attribute are, are, uh, is creativity. And, uh, when we talk about creativity, you don't necessarily think of creativity in, uh, engineers, but what we mean by that is, uh, uh, people who are looking outside of the box to create value in, in ways that we might not have seen before. And, uh, within our organization, it's, it's the entrepreneurial spirit is, is just ingrained in everything we do. And that's really what we're talking about. So I think that, um, if I were to look back on that experience for me, it was just, uh, you know, stepping outside myself and, and really understanding what it means to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Comfortable with being uncomfortable. And uh, what great advice, because people go in to get a job and, and they're asked, why do you want to work here? I want to work here because me, 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 me. That's, <laughs> that's not what the employer is looking for. So the correct answer, you want to work for Tate and Associates, you can go check out Tate.com. And when they ask why you want to work here, because you saw the towers fall in Miami and you want to be part of a company that's never going to let that happen again because you're so passionate about doing it the right way and you've researched Tate and Associates and you know they always do it the right way because you've been driving by this um, dump that's emitting methane gas and you heard that Trevor thinks about different ways to turn those into thriving communities and is constantly looking for ways to turn wasteland into wonderful places of living. And you want to be part of that because you want to lit work in an engineering firm that's not just about crunching angles and numbers and designing a stable bridge. You want to work in an engineering firm that thinks of creative new ways to do it in the new world where the world's getting hotter and the materials are melting and you want to work for a company that's at the cutting edge. That's the correct answer, right? Right. Yeah. And um, <laughs> can we hire you? No, just kidding. But we're <laughs> no, but I, I think, I think, I think you're right where it's uh, you know, you, so 
and I can get into a little bit about, about what we do and um, you're dancing around some stuff that's, uh, that's pretty close, <laughs> but we, oh, this, uh, is, this is not a podcast yeah. based on accuracy. This is a podcast yeah. <laughs> based on dreams and how to fulfill those dreams and dreams are never fully accurate. So there's going to be a little fuzziness in, in the accuracy of my uh, uh, description of what you do. Well, so if, if so we're, we're a, uh, an engineering and environmental company, um, and, uh, and we're also a, a real estate development company. Well, if you think about, you know, civilization and you, and you, you know, there's, there's so many aspects that go into a healthy civilization that most people never really even think about. Like when you get, a, get in your car and you drive to a meeting, it's like, how'd you get there? Well, you got on a road or you turn on your water. It's like, how did that, wa- you know, how did that happen where you turn on your faucet and there's clean water and, and we're kind of, you know, as engineers, we're, we're civil engineers, we're, we're, we kind of talk about, you know, kind of like physicians for society where we just kind of make all these really complex things work. And there's always the best thing about, about that, uh, about what we do is there's always a better way. There can always be a better way to do it. And so if you're, if you bring that creativity and that intention of creating value and you're in an organization that, uh, you know, encourages that, that mindset, the sky really is the limit in terms of what you can do uh, when you talk about improving and advancing civilization. I mean, you know, there's, there's so many things that make that work. And um, what we do at our company is, is uh, we think of it like physicians of society, but we're, we're really uh, planning not only to sustain uh, all of our existing infrastructure, but also to kind of plan for the future and what the future looks like in shaping the future. You know, so in our world, you have, you have engineers, you have architects, you have, uh, you have development professionals and, and all these people uh, kind of, they come together and work with, um, work with cities and, and uh, states to figure out what the needs are and then to uh, problem solve and, uh, and create, create the future. Really, and so it's it's um, you know you think about uh, uh, what's happening with uh, things like autonomous vehicles, and you know eventually uh, you know a whole new infrastructure set for things. What you know, flying cars aren't aren't that far away. You talk about uh, you know all the investment that's happening uh, in in renewables and uh, how to how to get cleaner energy, um, and, and we're at the cutting edge of all that. So it's a, it's a really, really exciting and, and rewarding uh, career path to get, to get into the engineering uh, development world. So if we go back to your definition of excellence, which is, I, I, I love hearing when you talk because you talk about things in a different way than other people talk about it. And you, you said striving towards your potential was your definition of excellent. You said you figure out your strengths, your talents, what you're naturally drawn to. So it's obvious that your strengths and talents are out of the box thinking or creative thinking. You've got your engineering degree. So you've got that backing you up, but you're constantly thinking about the potential that you discovered through failure. You went and got a job. You didn't deliver value. And it was your first job out of school. And now you've got a wife and kids and another business. And all you think about is delivering value. So your road to excellence is about 
delivering value in a creative way and you can't stop thinking about it. You can't stop talking about it. And you figured that out in your mid 20s by screwing things up. I mean, what a wonderful yeah. way to find your path and you just can't get off of it. Value, value, value. You deliver value in your friendships. You deliver value on vacation. Right. And thank you for riding on the jet ski in the Bering Strait with me the other day. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you deliver value to your children. You deliver value at work and you're thinking of different creative ways always to do it. And you figured that out by screwing up in a job. And did you get fired from the job? No, I didn't get fired. I quit, but... Uh... You know, at the time, I think that I, I felt like I, um, if I'm being honest with myself, I think that I probably, uh, uh, you know, maybe it maybe felt like I knew it all or something like that. And this in the company doesn't, you know, they don't get it or something like that. And, and but they, you know, they were 4,000 employees and they had done something right, you know, and, and had done incredibly um, innovative, innovative things in the, in what they do. Uh, so they obviously knew something and I, and I, um, and I, I look back and I, it was, it was my, um, it was my mindset that was, it was just, um, totally geared towards, uh, I think blending in, yeah. like I said, and, and, uh, not having a, a big picture on, on why I was there and, 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 uh, what I was there to do. And you never forget that. I, I never forget. And no. unfortunately for me and for everybody I worked for, I got fired a lot because I yeah. didn't have the right <laughs> mindset and I wasn't focused on the wrong thing. And I didn't learn. I thought they were stupid. Oh, they, they really missed out. But eventually it's called wisdom. Eventually that experience settles in and you become wiser. And then you move on into whatever you're doing next with that wisdom and that ability to really improve it. So it, it's okay if you're listening right now and you're sucking in your job, it's okay to change your path. If you just got fired or you just quit and you're blaming somebody else, it's a good idea to sit down and figure out what went wrong, even if it's not your fault. I always say, even if it's just 2% your fault, what could you have done differently? And that's the magic. What could Trevor have done differently? He could have not tried to fit in and tried to be more creative, but he didn't figure that out at the job. So he went and started another company and it didn't work out, but he figured out I'm all about creating value. And wouldn't it be great if every single person in the world was all about delivering value to those around him? I mean, the world would be a different place. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And, and kind of back to, you know, so that, that striving towards your potential, I think that when you're, there's mega value in learning too, by the way. And I, I mentioned, you know, people will say, I'm, I'm going to learn and you, you need to be learning always. You need to be aware of uh, that you're learning. Um, I think about in our organization now that the way that I felt and granted, I think it was mostly, not mostly, I think it was hundred percent really on me and my lack of perspective, uh, probably my attitude, um, uh, those types of things. Um, but I think about that way I felt and I, I, I really, uh, think about that in our organization now. And I, I don't want people to feel that way. And I learned a lot from that actually. And I, and I, I apply it uh, so much to, to the culture of the organization and what we're doing. And, and if, if, you know, so when you're from the interview process all the way through the, you know, uh, the five-year anniversary, 10-year, 20-year anniversary of the company, uh, it's, we, we want to make sure that you're always uh, empowered uh, to, to do just that, which is create value. So, so I, I, I can't stress, you know, I, I can't 
that always be learning as, as much as it, it sounds cliche uh, is so true. And you might have a, you might have a, a you might be in a, in a place where you're not striving, where you don't feel like you're striving towards your potential, but there's a lot to learn in that place too. And if you're learning, you can take that to the next thing, whatever that is, that's where the magic happens. I had a kid that worked, worked with me one time and his uh, significant other worked with Jill and they both had unbelievable potential and they both just left a ton on the table. And I was kind of upset because, you know, I got paid by how well he did and I'm not here to have people not succeed. And he didn't. And three years later, I was sitting at UC San Diego and I see him walking up. His name was Alex Vats and it's been 25 years and he's walking. and I'm sitting there thinking, damn, here he comes. I'm going to hear about all the stuff I could have, would have, should have done better for him. And he walks up to me and he says, hey, Matt, I was totally wrong. I finally figured it out. You were right. I left a lot on the table. And he listed off all the things he learned from his failure. And that story stayed with me. I tell that story all the time because experience plus reflection. You got to have the reflection. And sometimes reflection takes three years. Sometimes reflection takes three minutes. Sometimes reflection takes three decades. But experience plus reflection gives you the opportunity to have empathy and EQ so you can be a better leader. So you had this horrible experience for you. You beat yourself up, you reflected, and now you're a better leader because you can empathize with the people in your company and probably see when the same thing's happening and go draw the conversation out of them, making them a better employee, making you a better boss, making Tate and Associates a better company. So all these failures that you're having right now at 20 years old and all these mistakes that you're making while you're you know, today at work before you started driving home listening to this podcast, those are the building blocks of your future. They're not just mistakes that you throw away if you stop and reflect and if you look for what you could have done better. And you hear Trevor talk about uh, how it was all his fault. Well, that's the way leaders think, because if you don't think it's your fault, you don't have control of it anymore. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. So you, you rode off into the distance and we're going to get into Tate and Associates and all the wonderful things you all do um, and all the different engineers you're hiring all over the world. But let's go back a little bit. What was life like in high school? How did you see yourself? How did you find your path? Well, I kind of talked about this a bit, but I, I um, so I, well, first of all, growing up, I was, <laughs> you know, I was really small, actually, like physically really small. I think I was like in freshman year, I was five foot zero. I weighed like 93 pounds and 
uh, I went to an all boys uh, Catholic school that had a lot of uh, it was a big sports school and ended up playing football. And that was, that was a, I look back on that experience uh, being one of the smaller guys on the team. And it was definitely a, a good lesson of uh, becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. Cause that was not comfortable getting tackled by those guys every day for all four years. But I, I absolutely loved my, my high school experience and made great friends. I'm still uh, very close with to these to this day. Um, and then in college, um, again, college, college was a, it was a great experience. Um, I, uh, applied early decision to Vanderbilt because it was, it had everything in my mind that, um, that I wanted in a college. It was in a great city in Nashville and, um, had a great engineering school. And I thought I wanted to study civil engineering and, um, and it, it had the, the, the social aspect. So I, I, and I absolutely loved it. I met my wife there. Um, so college was a great experience. Um, but I, I don't really, I, I don't re- look back on the, those experiences and think about me trying to separate myself or trying to, I think it was trying to get to the next, do what I do, what I needed to do and excel at what I was doing and needed to do to get to a higher level at, at the next chapter. And the real world world just doesn't work like that. <laughs> it's it's uh, you 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 at that point you have the foundation to take to take all that you've learned, and then apply it to something where you're gonna uh, you're gonna help people in one way or another. So are you saying I want to? You I'm a Gen Xer. You're a millennial, I think. So this sounds like a millennial yep. mindset. I think you might be a cured millennial. Are you saying that in <laughs> high school? It was about do the best you can to excel. So you get to the next level, do the best you can to excel. So you get to the next level. And then later on in life, you figured out, no, it's not about you getting to the next level. It's about helping people. And therefore you might get to the next level. Yeah. I think that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, uh, you know, when you're in business, you have a customer and you have to, help your customer and whatever you're, whatever you're doing, whatever service or product you're, you're, you're providing, it has to be something that they're willing to pay for. And it ha- which would be something that helps them in one way or another, whether it's their, uh, you know, the food they eat or the, who knows what. And so you're, you just think, you just have to think uh, that there's, there's someone I'm trying to help with what I'm doing. And so it's my skills. It's my, it's what I'm drawn to that's and how I'm going to help people. Yeah. And as you help people and you lift others, all boats rise. And I've talked about this before. Whenever I've chased the mighty dollar, I've lost. But whenever I've tried to do something good, sometimes I make money at it. And I don't care because I'm doing something that's good and I want to do it anyway. So it doesn't matter if I make money or not. I could not agree with you more. It's it's so interesting that it's so true and it's totally counterintuitive, but uh, it's so true. It's, it's, uh, the numbers are, are the scoreboard, uh, for a business. The financials are, are really the scoreboard and it's, 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 but at the end of the day, if, if you're just hyper-focused on, on helping people and, and, uh, helping, helping your clients achieve, achieve their objectives and their missions and their dreams, those numbers fall and you're doing a great job at it. Those numbers just, they, they fall into place. Yeah. So I met this, I met this guy named Carl Schramm, who was the CEO of the Kaufman center based out of, uh, um, Kansas City. And the Kaufman Center was deeply involved in entrepreneurship worldwide. And I was deeply involved with entrepreneurship worldwide at EO and we were partners. And they launched, the Kaufman Center launched this 
contest to develop entrepreneur majors around the country. There were four schools that had entrepreneur majors and they decided we're going to give away a hundred million bucks. And whichever schools have the best entrepreneur major, they're going to split up this hundred million dollars. And I don't remember how many, I think the top one got 50 million and maybe two other schools got 25. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not a detailed person, so I just make it up as I go, but I'm pretty sure it was a hundred million bucks. And they did it a second time, like 10 years later. And all of a sudden, all the schools or a lot of the schools in the country had these entrepreneurship majors. And I went out to Kansas and we were doing this global entrepreneurship, uh, GSEA, Global Student Entrepreneur Awards. And I was one of the judges and uh, the guy from FUBU was one of the judges and uh, Kevin Harrington, who invented the, the Ginsu knife and the he didn't invent it. He found it. He invented the uh, infomercial. He's one of the judges. And we, this is great group of people plus me. And Carl Schramm gets up and he's talking about the entrepreneurship major. And he said it was a failure. He said he wished he would have never done it because what happened was the universities developed entrepreneurship programs and they started teaching social entrepreneurship. And he's like, that's not what entrepreneurship is. It's not the Tom shoes model and, and God bless Tom shoes and God bless the sock company giving out shoes and giving out socks. But everybody thought you had to build your business that way. And that's not what entrepreneurship is. Entrepreneurship is solving a problem to help people. And maybe your business has helped too. We're not trying to solve two problems. We're trying to solve one. And again, no offense to the Tom Shoe guys. They're crushing it. They're doing a great job. I spent a lot of time working in various food banks and, and I have a soft spot in my heart for people that are homeless and they need socks and they need shoes. But what he said was there was less people coming out of college getting into entrepreneurship after they developed the entrepreneurship major than before. And he thought the schools had missed the boat because it's what you're saying. It's create value, it's lift people. And as you lift people, everybody wins. So congratulations, you figured that out. And I think I interrupted you, what were you gonna say? No, no, you're good, keep going, please. All right, well, um, so you're in high school and you're all about yourself because you're a millennial. Uh, and I don't mind if you're a lawyer and you're listening to this, I don't care if I upset you. If you're a millennial, this is a good show for you to listen to. So you became cured and you figured out it's not about me. It's about everything around me. It's not about my personal value. And I want to learn and I want to grow. It's I want society to learn and I want society to grow. And I'm here to creatively deliver value. So you head off into college and you, you went to the number 14 school in the country, um, beautiful city, beautiful place to go. It's probably the number one most popular school to apply to out of anybody I know. Uh, everybody wants to go to NYU and they all want to go to Vanderbilt. And so you end up getting there. How did you separate yourself in high school? Because a lot of people that I get on the show have done have worked with me. We never worked together. How did you separate yourself in college so you could get these big jobs that you later quit and learn lessons from? <laughs> uh, well, First of all, just just to be clear, when I went to Vanderbilt, uh, it's it, it was difficult to get into, but not nearly as difficult as it, was, as it is now. And I, I, I feel confident that uh, I, I probably wouldn't have separated myself enough from all these incredible uh, kids that are applying now uh, to get in, frankly. But in, in college, um, again, I, I don't I don't really feel like I, I did, to be honest, Um I was, uh, um, I had a great experience. Um, my, my college experience was about getting, getting the grades I needed to get good jobs. 
and also having as much fun as possible. <laughs> and it was, it was, and, and in all sorts of ways, the friendships, the, uh, the social life, the um, experiencing Nashville, all those things. But I was, I was focused on those two things and I, I, it was, it was a great experience, but uh, I don't, I don't feel necessarily that I, I took advantage of all that the, the, the school had to offer to really, to really separate myself. I don't want to, I don't want to, um, seem like a, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for that experience. It was, it was absolutely life-changing, but I, I just didn't, I, I didn't have that mindset yet, to be honest. <laughs> well, so, and it doesn't matter when it happens. I mean, there's someone yeah. listening to this on the phone, uh, listening in the car right now, or listening on their phone back home that they haven't had their epiphany moment. You know, I went to college to have fun. I went to college mm -hmm. to have the college experience and to meet people. I was fully driven, though, to become a lawyer, to get into law school, to do everything I could to become a law partner. And half the time it took everybody else to become a law partner. I had a crystal clear path and that path got wadded up and thrown away when I was a junior. And I went a different way because of luck. You didn't have a crystal clear path. You'd been doing things and your families, you know, giving you great leadership and great guidance and your friends, your peer groups giving you great leadership and great guidance. But you went to college and, you know, you had an opportunity to get even more out of it and you didn't. So then you went and found this epiphany <laughs> in your first job. Right. So doesn't matter yep. when it happens, but it happened. So you, you're out of college. Um, you, you've already separated yourself and you can say all you want about what level Vanderbilt was, but I know Vanderbilt's been way up there for a long time. And I went to a school that's gone up a lot. I'm not telling anybody what it was ranked when I went there, but I know right now it's 32 <laughs> in the country and I'm happy. I hope it's 20 in the country. So I'll look even smarter in years. So you go off into these different jobs and then you end up at Tate and Associates. And I know that uh, it's a family business and I know the business was started in 1964 by, I believe your grandpa. And I know that it's been around for a long time. How did you end up deciding to go to the family business? Well, so at that point, um, when I made that decision, I, I just had totally different perspective on, on this opportunity where and again, so grateful, but I, uh, you know, I had this, uh, platform, um, this 50, 50 year old platform, uh, to go and take and be an entrepreneur with in, in a certain sense. And, uh, and also it, it woven into that is, is, you know, the, the legacy of, of our family and, and all these different things. And so it was, I, I just saw it totally differently than I would have right after I, I graduated college and um, super personal experience, you know, it, having the, it being in a family business, but it, it's uh, incredibly rewarding. You weren't ready. So, yeah. You, you weren't ready before <laughs> that. Right. So uh, no. And I don't, I don't know what they call people like you in different States, but in our state, we call you lucky sperm, right? So you're lucky sperm. <laughs> and I've heard that so many times and I thought, wow, wish my parents had a business I could take over or wow. I wish my dad had a big fat jet. I could borrow and fly, but I've talked to some of those. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, uh, I've talked to some of those, those lucky sperm. They're the ones I'm most impressed with. They're the ones because you could have sat on your butt and done nothing. And the people I know that work the hardest, the people I know that are the most creative, the people I know that are looking to create the most value oftentimes are the ones with the family business and the people I know that are most appreciative. And they all say the same thing. I was so lucky to have this platform. 
I was so lucky to be able to build on the rest of my family's experience. And they come in and, you know, usually when they're ready and sometimes they have siblings that don't make it make it through, but they come in looking to create their own legacy. They come in and in your case with some wisdom from other experiences to really know what you have. And, and I, I mean, I talked to some of them like, you know, I'm not going to mention any names. I usually mention names, but I, you know, I call Sean Baldwin all the time and I say, I mean, I, I've even told his dad, I'm so impressed with the parenting it took to instill the drive because I wonder, I mean, would I just be kicking it? Would I be working so hard if, uh, if I could have taken over the family business, probably because the way it works is you have to prove yourself <laughs> to take over the family business, but you work really hard to develop that legacy and you see an opportunity to be different and you see through your wisdom, an opportunity to deliver value creatively. And then next thing you know, you're running the business because you are delivering value because you are creative because you're not resting on your laurels because you're not lazy. So that's the path that happened to all you folks that I know and admire so much. You worked your ass off and you earned it. So you can't, you came into the family business You've got all this uh, valuable experience that's forming in your head as you go and probably still forming in your head for years and years and years. And you've been able to make an impact. And I love hearing the stories. What is the favorite impact that you've made or the favorite improvement or the favorite project where you're combining your education as an engineer with these lessons of delivering value and being creative? Oh, so, well, so um, we... Uh as a company, you know, so first of all, uh, the education as an engineer for, for me, the, the most valuable part of that education is, is just being a problem solver because you, you're just solving problems all the time. And I'm, I'm, I, I didn't really mention that we were talking about, but if you're considering or in, in the engineering world, recognize that you're learning how to solve problems. And if you can take that mindset and apply that to problems in the real world and say, there's a problem, here's the given here's I know the unknown. Here's what I'm trying to solve for and and solve for it with the process. There's there's it's a it's a extremely important way of thinking and, tra and training your brain. But with the company, um, I'm I'm we so we've we've grown quite a bit, and um, I think probably what I'm most proud of though is so we're uh, my grandpa and my dad and my uncle uh, just formed this amazing culture over the years. But I, I think that we were, um, we needed to uh, fine tune it and, and commit to it and really define what that was. And then, and then make sure we're just living it day in and day out. And we, we saw, you know, we, we put together a, a process and, and a plan on with, with a goal of becoming a, a top workplace in our, in our different communities that we're in throughout the U S and we, and we did it and we stuck to it. And every, every we, we got tons of feedback from our, from our associates uh, around the country. And, and, and then we'd tweak things and fix things and listen to people and hey and here are your ideas. And then, and over time, we, you know, over the last five years, we started out, we just would start making these lists. Last year, we got uh, number three overall in Orange County. Orange County has three and a half million people. Uh, there's tons of major employers here. And we got number, number three overall for the best place to work. And I'm super proud of, of that. And it's, it's really, it's, it's really our associates that, that made that possible. Um, and we, it just because it, Hey, this is what would make it better. And then, and then it brings, we are able to recruit, you know, 
uh, great engineers and, and it just creates this ecosystem where people are uh, able to thrive. And then I think that the other thing too, that I, I'm, is I've just watched the, um, since I joined the company and, and watching projects that we've, we've taken on. Um, and, and you think about how complex these things are. I mean, huge, huge projects, uh, huge development projects. And, and you think like, gosh, like the, the amount of collaboration, the amount of teamwork, the amount of, it's almost unfathomable to think about at the beginning of these things. It's like, how is this going to be a, um, you know, a, a, a new Harbor when it's completed or a new, uh, town center or whatever, whatever we're doing. And, and, and then to see those things uh, get designed, built and actually come to life and then watch people come in and, and use these spaces. And it might be their, um, their new home or, or their new, where they go to work or where they go to collaborate and create new things in their own buildings and in their own space. It's, it's incredibly rewarding uh, to be a part of that. One of the really cool parts of being an engineer or being a builder is you get to see it when you're done. Like my job, right. I just talk on the phone, but I spend most of my time talking on the phone to people that are headed off to do wonderful things with their life. And then they call me five years later and tell me, and I get to see what happened. I went to a wedding last Thursday and everybody's telling me how great their life is. And I said to my wife, you know, Jill, I said, Jill, man, that was a great wedding. She said, of course, because everybody's telling you how great their life is. I said, yeah, that's what we're doing here. You get to see it the day it's done. You get to see the kids playing on the beach or in the park or whatever it is. So you were able to come in with that lesson on delivering value, with that lesson on uh, wanting to bring in creativity and creatively change the culture slightly. It didn't need a major change, but you and your family and your team improves the culture through allowing ideas, through encouraging creativity, through looking for everybody to deliver value. And then while you're doing that, you creatively come up with new ways for people to live in, in the same old areas sometimes, mm -hmm. new ways for people to live that are change your life. Well, you should be proud of that. Um, I have one more question for you. One more question. Well, I have two. Yep. I got two. Um, how is where you are now surprised you at all? Are you, um, are you at a different place than you expected or you're right where you thought you'd be? Um, so, no, I, I, uh, I, if I look back on it, no, I, I, I couldn't imagine uh, where I am now. I didn't think I'd be, um, you know, running the company at this point and, uh, and have, have the opportunity to work with so many amazing people and uh, apply all the, I guess, you know, really kind of applying all these, all these lessons. I, I, I just feel very fortunate. I learned early uh, to what I'm doing now, but, you know, I also have an amazing family, my wife and two kids. And it's, uh, that's a whole nother, uh, you talk about creating value in all different aspects and I'm, uh, I'm super grateful for that, but, uh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't have imagined, honestly. But you know, who did, you know, who did imagine your uncle and your dad, your uncle and your dad yeah. <laughs> watched patiently while you went to that other company, listened to all the crap you were saying and just waited patiently. <laughs> and then one day they knew that your wisdom had come and they knew your time had come and probably watching you interact and watching everybody at Tate and Associates kind of benefit from that value driven equation and that end result focus and the make the world better. And then they knew your time had come. 
uh, I don't know if they would explain it that way, but we'll, we'll, well they're not on the, they're not on the podcast. Yeah. So I just explained it for them. Well, I have one last question. I told you I had two more. There is one. And I know I, I usually ask what sacrifices have you made that you would never regret? I know there's one that you regret because you were well on your way to being a famous rock star back where, when you were at <laughs> Vanderbilt. So I know you regret giving up your music career because you could have been the next David Lee Roth or Weekend or whoever it is. Um, but I, I want to talk about what sacrifices you made that you will never regret. So what sacrifices did you make in your 20s that you look back and you say, thank goodness I did that? It's hard to think of them as sacrifices now, actually, uh, uh, hindsight, because um, transformative things in, in my life personally um uh quitting my job at the time i viewed as a, as a sacrifice and obviously i don't regret that because i uh, um i learned so much uh that i needed to learn personally about about creating value and and, and being an entrepreneur and uh you know and then the, the first uh business venture that, that ultimately failed and shutting that down you know at the time it was uh, super difficult, uh, time and decision and, of, um, uh, and what that was, what we were going through at that point, but, uh, you know, being able to apply all those lessons I learned, uh, to, um, what I'm doing now, I, I, I'm so grateful for that experience. So it's hard to, it's really hard for me to look at them as those things as sacrifices. And I think that if you, you know, again, I, I hate to sound uh, cliche, but th that spirit of, of gratitude, um, and, and living with that spirit of gratitude and intention of gratitude, uh, things that, uh, things that will happen to you, um, you'll see, you'll see the opportunities to learn from them and grow from them, uh, quicker with that, with that spirit. Yeah. If you have the attitude of gratitude and, it, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and if you have the focus on adding value and if you look at sacrifices, at the time as maybe a, uh, as a rough, a rough lesson, but you can look back and as you say, realize that sacrifices are transformational, then you don't think I'm a sacrifice anymore, but you did at the time you did at the time, think you were sacrificing. And now with wisdom and experience, it's hard for you to even figure out what sacrifices you've made. There's been some big ones. You don't even remember them anymore because they've been so transformational and they've helped you find your potential, your definition of a success. How do you find your potential if you don't make mistakes and learn from them? How do you find your potential if you don't go down the wrong path and realize that's not what my potential is? How do you find your potential if you don't have these opportunities to meet with others and share your experiences and give them the opportunity to join your culture and add value? You don't, right? So I'll buy it. You don't have any sacrifices in your mind. But at the time, young Trevor thought he was sacrificing. Old Trevor <laughs> thinks he was growing. And I don't want to undermine people's people make major sacrifices. And I, I know that. And um, so I, the last thing I want to do is, is undermine um, <clears throat> sacrifices people make for, you know, major, major sacrifices. Uh, and I'm just trying to, in that spirit, just share that there's over time, uh, that there's there's wisdom gained there for me personally yeah my dad worked three jobs he was gone from yep. four in the morning till 10 at night he sacrificed and oh yeah that that sacrifice was transformational for me 
and I know he's mm-hmm. sacrificed. Um, there's people that have to leave our country and go to war for us and leave their family at home and they're sacrificing for us. So, yes, Trevor and I have not made the sacrifices that others have made. And this isn't about a political statement. And this isn't about, um, you know, we're uh, comparing what we've done to others. This is about sharing our path. And your path is your path. Yep. And my path is my path. And their path is their path. One of the most successful people I know um, was homeless at age 10 uh, in 10th grade and started wow. one of the one of the biggest skateboarding companies in the world after being homeless and having to figure out how to make money by skating and drawing decks. Another one of the uh, most successful people that you and I both know, you know, grew up protecting his little sisters. And that that was a real sacrifice and was abused. And that was a real sacrifice, far greater. And it was transformational for them. And your sacrifices and my sacrifices have been transformational for us. So uh, I appreciate your humility. I appreciate the value deliver. And if people are taking it wrong, they can find a new podcast to listen to. (laughs) Uh, Well, anyway, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I'm honored that you asked me to be on this and um, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, you're a great friend. So thanks, Matt. Well, Trevor, you've created your own luck. Um, So we talk about lucky sperm. You created your own luck, just like the other people that we all know and love or you and I know and love uh, by learning from your mistakes, by trying crazy things, whether they work out or not. And then by figuring out really who you are deep down inside and anybody listening can use these experiences that you had to kind of gauge themselves. Where am I at? What am I doing? And they can start to see what their passion is and what their values are and where they're headed. And by doing that, they'll find themselves teetering over the edge of excellence and setting a great example for others around them. So Trevor, thank you very much for making time. Thank you for coming up with a creative way to inspire other engineers to do uh, things that are crazy and big and different. And I really appreciate you coming on the show with us today. Thanks again, Matt. Yeah, really appreciated it. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.